Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAT Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins. And Asai Calderon Muñiz. All right, we have an extra special episode this week. We have, uh, I'm kind of, I'm really excited to jump into this, Robert, because I know we've had a lot of conversations just kind of like back behind the, uh, back behind the podcast screen here. Um, and so we're going to be meeting with, uh, Azai and I will be talking to Robert Greenleaf, who is one of the new, uh, the new faces here at, at, um, Jack Weston. Um, and I'm really excited for what you do, Robert, and kind of like what you're doing and how we're helping students. Um, most of you guys who are listening to the podcast know Azai and I get on our uh, soapboxes pretty frequently to talk about like helping students and like lowering the barriers um, to medical school and making it easier for students from a variety of different backgrounds to uh, become a physician because we want our physicians to be as diverse as our population is um, that the physicians are serving. So um, I guess without further ado, this is a very long-winded intro. Um, we want to welcome uh, Robert to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Phil. I'm excited to be here. Really grateful for the opportunity. And yeah, to touch on you know what you're mentioning, right? It is very unique that we have just such a student-focused mindset and adding in you know, this academic advising team that are on the front lines speaking with students regularly, whether they're in our you know, full course, using our open access resources, just making ourselves available so they have someone to talk to, right? Someone to talk to about really just anything to do with their situation is just, it's a necessity in this process that can be overwhelming and sometimes debilitating. So really excited for the opportunity to be here, talk to you all and yeah, talk about what we're doing. Yeah, just for a little bit of context for listeners. So basically, Robert is one of our academic advisors, um, which like I really want to be able to talk to all the students like in person, but obviously that is not super feasible. Um, and so uh, Robert's actually stepping in and kind of helping out with that. And so students can uh, schedule a meeting with Robert, kind of like talk about whatever, like you don't have to pay for it. It's completely free. It's you know one of those ways that we're trying to lower those barriers um, and I think it's really useful for students because they can sometimes feel a little lost. Um, I know, Robert, we were talking a little bit ago about kind of like Reddit and how and like different um, like social medias and how that can kind of create this like anxiety with students where they're not where they're not seeing the, the whole picture. Um, they're just seeing a curated version. And that tends to make things a little bit complex for them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've been in academic advising for pretty much my entire professional career, and I've noticed this trend throughout the entirety of that time where a small population of students will actually go post on Reddit what they did, the scores they received. And it's usually the people that did well, right? They want to go brag about it, and rightfully so, right? Their methods worked, they were successful. And, and you know, I think at a certain point, they are trying to help as well. Like, this is what worked for me. Right, try this and it'll work for you as well, potentially. So I don't think there's anything negative going on there as far as their intentions are concerned, but it is something that can can lead students to comparing their insides to other people's outsides. And when we do that, we always fall short. So I find that the students that I'm talking to, right, a lot of them have taken the MCAT two and three times already, haven't bro broken 500 and are trying to copy the methods that have worked for a small percentage of students, not saying anything against what they're doing at all, right? But it doesn't work for everyone. Every individual is different. And that's why there's so many resources out here to help. 
But when we look at the 75,000 students that take the MCAT each year, right, how many actually go post on Reddit about their scores? Really, you know, half a percent, one percent, maybe. And then the other 74,000, 70,000, whatever it is, go and read about that. And then they're expecting, okay, I should do this and I should get a 520. And if I don't, I'm not good enough. And why can't I get there? Right. And when that happens, they they start to check out a little bit and consider other options when there are other resources out there right, that they could utilize. Right. So that's really where I'm at is just trying to provide those types of game plans and personalized support to individuals so they don't feel alone. And they don't, again, I'm really big into this because I think it's the world we live in today. We are stuck comparing our insides to other people's outsides at every single turn and we always fall short. Yeah. I feel like you're always catching, you know, with Instagram or Reddit, you're catching people on their best, on their best, you know, with their best face. It's actually one of the terms I've seen on on like exams, like on the MCAT is reporter bias. Um, So tying this to MCAT topic stuff as I do with pretty much everything I do, even when I'm talking to family to their annoyance. Um, Reporter bias is this idea of like who's reporting and like chiming in um, on different things is like that's not going to be a good cross section. And so like the nobody is going on Reddit like, hey, guys, look, I did awful. Right. Like nobody, nobody wants to post that. Nobody wants to brag about how they're struggling. And so you tend to only see people in moments of success where they are like really, you know, kind of like doing well. And I feel like that idea of like, like, like I totally agree that there's no ill will by those students. They're trying to help. They're like, this worked for me, but students are all different. Um, and like, if a student, if their struggle is timing and endurance and stamina and like maybe data interpretation, then taking a lot of practice exams will help. I see that all the time posts about like, just take as many practice exams as you can. And that's all you need. And like, that might be true for some students, but if your problems are content areas or your problems are math skills, then spending like eight hours reading passages is not going to help you learn that content. It's not going to help you develop those math skills. It's not going to um, help you with, you know, those, those little like nuanced pieces um, if you don't have the, the uh, fundamental foundations there. And so some of that advice that comes from like not just students, but just in general, a lot of the advice that you come across, I feel like doesn't apply to everyone. And that's, that's also just, I feel like the real world overall, like, like how do you become a successful person? Right. Like I, like I am well suited for certain things, but I'm not suited for others because I am like my best friend, Joe, which I talk about a lot as a pathologist. And he just, He just talks about like, if I have to see a patient, they're going to be grumpy and I'm going to be grumpy. Like everyone's going to have a bad time. I just want to be in the basement with my slides and doing autopsies, um, just trying to find out what made people sick. And, um, and like, that's something that I would really struggle with because I want to talk to people. I want to kind of like do that sort of thing. And so the stuff that makes for like a successful career for one person is different from another and like what makes you successful and like helps you do well on a test for one person might be different for another. And just trying to figure that out, I feel like can be a huge challenge in and of itself, just trying to figure out like what it is that I need um, instead of just saying, assuming that everyone's all the same and this worked for them. So that's what I got to do. Yeah. And 
kind of along those lines of, of what you might see on social media. Sometimes, you know, these posts are tied to suggestions, right? And sometimes they're venting posts. And so you kind of get one of one of two very intense flavors. Um, mm-hmm. And with those, what I have personally seen when, when I've hopped on and hopped on in the past was sometimes people are just like, just very negative about the entire thing, right? And sometimes they are negative, but then it's against the backdrop of having been doing really well. So saying, oh, like, I felt like I did really poorly on this, like, you know, waiting a month to see what my score is. Um, But then they are posting all of these, you know, really great practice scores. And so that can also put someone in a very negative headspace because now you're saying, okay, well, this person who thinks that, who was previously doing well, now thinks they did awful and there's no context attached to it, right? Or you're not seeing, like you guys were talking about, the behind the scenes every day. You weren't seeing what exactly they were doing. So you can either have, you know, well-meaning, and not that it's all or nothing, but you can have well-meaning advice that doesn't apply to you. You can also have this venting space with no, without context. And now it, you know, it changes kind of where you're at emotionally, which affects your studying, as we have talked about many times here. Um, but then you don't have you don't have anything to act on. And so having the flexibility to um, to understand and actually be able to act on what you need as an individual is probably one of the most important things that you can do or get a hold of for studying for the MCAT. Really, that personalization is is really key. Yeah, you're, you're no, smiling. I, <laughs> no, I'm like, excited. I, I'm just thinking of all the things that like you're absolutely right on there. Like the reporter bias isn't just like people who do great. It's also people who are angry. Right. Like there's like I did this and it was stupid and useless and I hate it. And like what's what's difficult is very often you have both of those people, the like the really angry people that say this whole thing is stupid. And these, these people are saying, like, just do this one thing. And very often it's the same thing. and. It's once again, it's not that either of them are wrong. Like for this person, it didn't work. And for this person, it did. And that's just because once again, people are different. I also think about that with like, like if you go look at this, like the star rating on stuff on Amazon, like there's, (laughs) there's so few threes that are rated there. Like everything is either one star or five star, because if you just felt like meh, like you don't really feel super excited to go post about it and review it. But like if you order something that showed up broken in pieces, I'm going to report about it. Like if I bought something and it like completely revolutionized my life and it's great, then I'm going to post about it. And so like what's weird is that you 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 only see like a part of the picture. And this has to do with like just data reporting overall. It's the, it's the nerd in me coming out of like the, the numbers and the data and like that sort of stuff. And just kind of understanding this tendency of people. And so if you're trying to figure out what you need to do and you're just looking at those, you know, big picture stuff, you're never getting like the full picture picture, which is what it's, it's something that is sometimes a struggle. Um, as I, I don't know if this happens to you very often, but like all the time I have students coming saying like, what should I be doing? And I'm like, well, it depends on who mm-hmm. you are and like what's going on. My default answer is like, how well do you know amino acids? Cause that's like insanely <laughs> high yields, but like, like what is best for a student should be different based on the student. And I think Robert, that's where you come in a lot. It's like having these conversations with students, like doing these deep dives and trying to understand where's a student at, what do they need? Um, and just kind of like trying to give some advice, getting some context, trying to understand the bigger picture rather than like somebody who reports like, these are my scores. What do I need to do? Um, and there's some information you can glean from that. Don't get me wrong. Like 
if you're scoring a one, a 121 in cars and a 130 and everything else, you need to work on cars. But like, if somebody's like really struggling in Kim Fizz, like it might be a content thing. It might be data interpretation thing. It might be a math thing. And so you have to figure out exactly what's going on with that kind of a deeper dive. And that's harder to do. Um, you can't do that just from like a score, right? Somebody gives a report because you need to know the student a little bit better and be able to give some, some better advice. Yeah. I think that's where, uh, we do such an amazing job with our open access resources, actually providing that full science diagnostic that students can go take. And that is something that I ask them to do quite a bit because it allows me to see, okay, is this a content issue right? or is this, how are we taking the exam? And it really does depend, you know, if someone is, has serious content gaps and is, their score is really low, then they probably need a comprehensive program to help support them, right? That focuses on a mixture of content as well as test taking strategy. And to your point, if someone is 128 plus in the sciences and has a 123 in cars, they need a car specific tutor, right? So it really is depending on where you're at and what your situation is, the resources you need and the support you need is vastly different from student to student. Yeah. Go ahead, Azai. Um, I also just want to point out, so you brought up the the free uh, science diagnostic tool, and that's huge. And I think something that is really easy to forget is you can use that tool at many different places of your studying, right? That is not something that, oh, I've already been studying for a month. I still have a few months to go. I'm not going to use it. No, you absolutely can. And it gives, you know, your academic advisor, it gives Robert, it gives the people working with you enough and for more information to make better suggestions, right? To make more tailored suggestions. And so I think it's fantastic that that you brought it up because it's a tool that I don't think we can stress enough, the utility of it. Um, it's, you know, you could go right now and you could, you could pause this video. I would not suggest doing that, but you could theoretically pause this video, go do it, come back, get, you know, find out how to get in touch with Robert and then do that, right? Please finish watching this first. Yeah. But there's so many resources on the Jack Weston website that are free. We also have resources that, you know, you can um, you can opt into and, and purchase, but all of it is still tailored and centered around you as an individual. Yeah. The I mean, the whole reason the diagnostic and the analytic system we have, the, the whole reason that exists is because of this problem that we've been talking about is like, how do we help this student? How do we help this student? Um, I... Like, I, I don't hide the fact that, like, I worked on the content teams at Kaplan and then Next Step and then Blueprint, and now I'm here at Jack Weston. And the reason I'm here is because I don't like teaching to the mean. I don't like trying to just say, like, well, this is what the average student needs, so I'm just going to do that. I, I want to I help all the students. I'm like, if you've got a problem, I want to dive into this. I want to kind of, like, break that down. Um, but in order to do that, you need info. You need data. And so, um, so that's why, like, for over a year, we're working on that data or the the science content diagnostics and the analytic system. Which, just just in case the student doesn't know, like, it breaks down your areas over a hundred different categories. Um, it'll show you, like, even if biochem is your strongest area, maybe you like specifically need some help in just enzymatics, right? Maybe there's just one area there. And so being able to break this into like tons of different categories helps you realize like, you know, I thought I was just bad at physics, but really it's just like the Newtonian physics and torque and magnets. And like, those are really the only three things. And so if I spent all weekend just covering those materials, all of a sudden I'm not weak in physics anymore. Like it might be my strongest area. 
but you need that data, right? And I think that that's something, this is, this, like, feelings exist. I'm not going to say that feelings don't exist or shouldn't exist or are not important, but I feel like, at least for me, like I, I distrust feelings because they're (laughs) feelings and they're not data. And like, I'm definitely a science nerd at heart. Um, And a lot of times students like feel like something is a problem, but it's not like students say like, the reason I do bad on the MCAT is because like, I'm just so bad at physics. And that's a really common complaint or orgo. And they feel that way because the un- in undergrad, those were the courses that really like punished them and kind of stomped them overall. But then when you actually look at their exams, I'm like, listen, like in the chem phys section, you missed 12 questions and only two of them were physics. And like, like most of them were chemistry. And so like chemistry is a bigger issue for you than anything. And really it's just stoichiometry, which you felt pretty confident about. Um, and so I think that that happens all the time. And it's also compounded by the fact that not all areas are the same in terms of importance. Like I know I've, we've talked about this lots of times on the podcast, but like you have more psych questions than you do physics and chemistry combined. And there's so many students that say like, I'm bad at psych or I'm bad at physics, but I'm really great at psych. So I just need to spend time on physics. But like, you're going to see like 15 physics questions on testing. You're going to see 38 psych questions. And so just going off of pure feeling, you start to kind of get into like a problem area where you might not be spending your time as wisely as you could um, in terms of like investing time and getting a return on that where my score is increasing. And so understanding that data, um, which is, you know, something we work over a year to do. And I know that like, it's only been out two months, but like, it feels like it's been out for so long because so many students are using it. And like, it's such an integral part of, of how we try to help students um, that like, I can't imagine not having it at this point. Um, but I, I just think that that's a really important thing for students to understand. And <laughs> like, it's weird to be like, don't trust your feelings, but like, I'm not going to say that, but I'm gonna say like, be skeptical and like, try to understand like the, the numbers and stuff behind it. And if you can get hard data on something and if that reinforces your feelings, awesome. Then you have just confirmed like, this is what I need to do, but you might be surprised. And that the thing that you think you need to work on is not quite as important as something else that you thought you were fine on. And it is possible to hold both at the same time and use them to inform one another. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, that's, I, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe there was some weird trauma in the, like the background of my life where I'm like, no feelings, emo- like <laughs> I want rational logic numbers. Um, maybe I need to talk to a therapist about this. Um, <laughs> but um, I definitely think that there is kind of something, something with that. Um, and I know we've talked about like some of the other free resources, this podcast being one as well. Um, but there's also the uh, Chrome extension. And as I, I know, you've done a whole lot of stuff with the Chrome extension. Um, you've been one of the biggest players in helping to kind of build that. So I don't know if you want to want to sing its praises or talk about that, because I think that this is kind of like MCAT season. And I think the number of students who are using it is increasing very drastically right now and probably should be because so many students are using AMC yeah. stuff. So the idea, just I think a little bit of background as to why it was created in the first place, because some people might be saying, well, the AMC, like they have solutions, right? We saw them and we decided that we don't think they were enough. 
Um, and so we wanted to make sure that, again, across the board, we are providing you guys the absolute best material and the broadest breadth of useful material. Um, and so we thought that giving you guys a um, perhaps clearer understanding of why certain answers were incorrect, why others were correct, providing some content in, you know, in integrating that into your studying and review of questions um, would be important. And so essentially the Chrome extension is just something that you can add onto your already purchased AMC um, portal and material. And it will, you know, after you've, after you've tested, um, it will give you the AMC's breakdown, but then it will also give you our breakdown. And so we've had a team of people go through and essentially we're just walking through um, why different, you know, working through the different answers, the solutions. Um, really it's, it's a free resource. You can't go wrong with it. Um, and the idea is just, again, to make sure that you have the clearest understanding of the why and not just the leaving with the what very frustrated. Yeah, the I feel like you worded that so well and so nicely. Um, I feel so like you're like, oh, we decided that there should be more kind of breakdown. The Chrome, like the AMC, don't get me wrong, they're, they're great at like writing exams or greater writing practice tests. Um, I would say it's very clear that the AMC is a testing company and not a teaching company because their explanations are um, like not that great is one way to say, say it. That's probably the nicest way to say it, but there's, <laughs> there's, there's explanations in there. Like B is correct because it's correct. And then AC and D are wrong because it's not B like that does not help me learn something that does not help me understand how I should be tackling this question. That's just like telling me it's like a tautology, like this is this because it is. Um, and so we kind of went through every single one of those questions and talked about like a little bit more in depth, like give a more thorough explanation. Also talk about like, sometimes there's questions, there's more than one way to tackle this question. And so giving you some help with like guidance and strategies and like how you should be tackling this question kind of overall. Um, and I think currently we have that for every single resource from the AMC except the flashcards. Um, and we're currently working on that um, in the background. And so we've been, we just started this last year and we're like adding in those more resources. And that's another just free thing. And everybody should be using the AMC stuff to practice for your test. And like the AMC is just, the, our Chrome extension is just a better way to help you utilize that. Um, and once again, completely free. So it like, that kind of like hits on this like big picture idea. I don't know how many hours a week I'm, I spend just working on like stuff for free for students, like stuff that like in actually like costs us money, but we think it should exist. And so we do it anyway. Um, like the podcast, the free trial sessions I do every Monday. I know Jack does them on Tuesday. And sometimes we have like three or four in a week um, of these like free sessions, but also the podcast, the, the brand new questions we put out every single day, the diagnostic, the analytics, the AMC outline, um, you know, kind of all of this. And now like the academic advisors, like if you need some help and you just need some guidance, you have someone to reach out to and have like maybe a deeper conversation with to try to figure out um, when you should be taking the test. That's something that a lot of students have questions about. Um, like, when should I be like, is this really the best time for me? And this is what somebody told me. And like, once again, maybe that worked for them. Maybe that won't work for you. And so having that, um, extra resource of kind of like a personal advisor, which is what it is. Um, somebody who knows the MCAT, somebody who knows 
the AMC, like that's a really tricky thing. Um, Robert, you were kind of talking earlier about how like it's tough to get that info, like talking to your family and stuff like that, because it's just kind of a weird scenario overall. Yeah, definitely. They don't understand. That's the thing. They don't understand the difficulty that goes into preparing for this exam. They're just like, oh, take it in a couple months. It'll be fine. Just study. Right. <laughs> and it, it, students are, and they're pushing back a cycle. And like, the family's like, just get it over with already. Go to medical school. Like, get a job. Like, what are you doing? Right. And it, it leads again to just a kind of a not feeling good enough type of mindset. So, talking to people that understand what you're going through and how difficult and, you know, kind of overwhelming a task it is, is really vital to being feeling supported and empowered to actually get up and be your best every single day. Right. And I do kind of want to touch on something you mentioned earlier about teaching to the mean. I think that's very common in traditional education because they have, you know, it's a live setting, right. And they have to teach the average student. I can't tell you how many times in undergrad I was sitting in a class and felt like, why am I here? I've already covered this. What am I doing? You know, when, you look at the the new style of you know educational technology and how it can really be more efficient. You have kind of self-paced modules that students can go through at their own pace, work at their own speed, but then live support when they have questions, right? I think that's the very best time to have live interaction is, hey, what are you struggling with and how can we help, right? And then it does, like you said, you want to personalize it. That's why you're here. You want to create a more personalized environment and having a variety of tutors that lead the live sessions is crucial because what works for me might not work for you, Phil, right? So different communication styles are everything. And especially when you start getting into one-on-one tutoring, I think besides their background in teaching, that's the most important aspect is, can I learn from this individual? Do they communicate in a way that I can hear them and effectively make the change? So while you know, I absolutely am here for students, whatever they need, to talk to about mental health, spirituality, mindfulness, just being overwhelmed, a study plan. One thing that I have a lot of experience with is creating a roadmap of, okay, here's what you need. Uh, you want a 512, you want to go to an MD school, and you want your pick of an MD school, here's how we're going to get there. And yes, Jack Weston has amazing free resources. I really That's why I came to work here, right? the, just the dedication to bridging the gap. Uh, providing the highest quality materials and as many of them as possible for free. But yes, we do have some that are paid for as well, right? And there's just so much integrity in the fact that we're about half the price of the, the market, right? We do have to charge, but we're not here gouging students. Our tutoring is half as much. Our courses are half as much. And that spoke to me at a really deep level because there's so many students that I've talked to now that I've seen that can get into our course that couldn't use others. They didn't know there was an option out there that was this affordable, right? And they get in there and they see it and they experience it and they demo it and they realize, okay, this is going to be game changing for me. So again, it's just whatever it takes because the difference in my you know eyes is getting a 506 versus a 512, right? So it can be the difference of going DO or MD. Right? It can be the difference of going residency where you want to go versus not. And in some situations with lower GPAs, lack of experiences, it can be the difference of becoming a physician and not, or sitting out another year. So like just caring and holding space for that intensity is a huge part of my job because right now, especially, there's no open test dates. Students cannot push back. There's no waiting lists. Everyone is filled in April and May. 
So students that aren't feeling ready ahead of the March 25th exam, what do they do? Yeah. It's just a really intense and overwhelming situation to be in. So either having those tough conversations, maybe you need to push back a cycle or do we need to push to the finish, right? It's definitely, you know, right in my wheelhouse of what I'm ready to talk about with students and support them with. And I just want to mention, if you do want to talk and you do want to schedule time to connect with me individually, please just text MCAT to 415-805-6292. I'll definitely mention that later. But again, it's 415-805-6292. I'm here Monday through Friday. I would love to talk to everyone individually, see what I can do to help. Yeah, we'll have that number in the in the like the blurb for the for the podcast as well. So if you like don't have a pen handy, like you, you can you you'll be able to find it afterwards. It's also just like right on the front page of Jack Weston um, as well. Robert, let's say that I do want to uh, to reach out to you, and I kind of don't know where to start. Um, what information should I absolutely have about myself and what I've done so far, or what I want to do, ready and handy when I go to chat with you? Yeah, great question. Honestly, this, as silly as it sounds, like your hopes and dreams, right? That's it. That's all we really need to get started is, okay, what do you want? What are you willing to do anything to get is all we need for a jumping off place. But if you're uncertain as well, like that's okay. Just be strict, transparent. Like, I'm not sure this is what I want to do. We can talk about your why, right? I think the students that don't give up, that are able to really just pull that you know, energy up when they're feeling exhausted, they're able to persevere, are the ones that have a really strong vision. Right? I talk to students about admissions a lot as well. Now I do a lot of the interviews for our admissions department, definitely something we can touch on. But I always you know, ask them at the end of the interview, like, why medicine? Right? What's your why? Why is this your calling? And yeah, I heard a really interesting response the other day. It was essentially, you know, when there's a tough situation arises and no one else knows the answer. The nurses, aides, everything, like it's on the physician to know. And to them, that means it's a lifelong pursuit of knowledge that they always have to be exploring and learning and pursuing new avenues. So when that situation arises, when someone's life's on the line, they know the answer when no one else does. So that kind of strong why of what they're going to do and what change they're going to make is something that will carry you through right? When you need to persevere with this really difficult path. So I think to your point, like really anything is a good starting place. If you're uncertain, if you're absolutely certain and you want support and you want guidance on how to reach, you know, the end of this path and what resources you need to get there, right? What kind of plan, when you need to do what, when you need to, just everything in general, right? We can talk start to finish and then, you know, cultivate a relationship as we move forward. I love talking to students during the ups and downs. I tell them like, Call your family first when you get your score, but then call me. Right? I want to share in this. It's really important, right? Because there is so much emotional investment in what we do that we care and every student is an individual to us, right? And, you know, we talk to them when they're not feeling good, when they're stressed out, when they're overwhelmed. Well, I want to talk at the end of this as well when they really succeed and everything goes right. I love yeah. it. That's great. Yeah, I love that. Just kind of focusing on the why. That's, that's a really important thing for the MCAT, but that's also a really important thing 
after the MCAT when you're in med school and things like that. And so just like the fact that like you're encouraging students to be thinking about this is really important um, because they're like the MCAT is hard. It is a challenge, um, but so is med school. Like it's hard and it's a challenge. And so having ways to stay motivated, um, I'll, I'll be honest. I know I talked about the, I've, I've, I've mentioned this in the past, but when I was in med school and like, as I, you're in med school right now, like when I was in med school, I was actually working as a tutor and like teaching and doing stuff because that's what kept me motivated. That's like, I want to help people. And like, that was really useful for me. And like, as I know you're like in the middle, like we were just talking like, oh, you have an exam coming up, I think later today. And you're like, or like soon. And you're like, I got to study for this next week. Yeah. And you're like, I'm studying today because I got a, I got an exam coming up. And so just knowing like how to stay motivated and like how to, to kind of do that is important. I do also want to touch on one other thing earlier. You were saying like, oh, you talk to your parents and they don't understand. And like, I, I just kind of like looking like and seeing like the camera stuff. I'm like, oh, as I like, you just started like smiling, like really big at that time. And like, (laughs) I was too. I'm like, yeah, that's a real thing. Um, because for, for a lot of people, this is a very difficult thing because you, like their parents and friends and family have seen you like, oh, this is a hard test. And you take the test and you do great. And you say, oh, this is a hard test. And you take the test and you do great. And then like the MCAT comes up and you're like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. And like, you're going to be fine. Like it's, you say that all the time and it's always great. But like the MCAT is, is a monster. It's massive. It is something that is impossible for someone to understand unless they've kind of gone through it. And something that can make this a little bit worse is um, I actually have, have students whose parents are physicians and like the parents don't really understand because the MCAT they took is very different than the MCAT now. And so like the MCAT used to be like a three hour long exam and now it's seven and a half hours and like it's way bigger. The scope of it is much larger kind of overall. Um, I, I've talked about this before. I think that makes the MCAT a good test because what makes the MCAT hard is the volume. And that's what makes med school hard is the volume of information. And so going through the MCAT, I feel like is never going to be easy and it's, it's supposed to be hard, but going through that makes you better prepared for how to deal with it going forward. And so in order to, to master the MCAT, you have to figure out how to deal with this unreasonable amount of information. And it's never easy because this is, this is kind of a new level, um, but going through it makes you better prepared for what comes next. I often think of like in terms of difficulty, like undergrad, like let's say that's a 50 and med school is a 100, the MCAT's like an 80, right? And so what was happening before is like the MCAT was like a 60. And so in undergrad, you would like take the MCAT. And so in terms of difficulty, then you go to med school and it jumps from like 60 to 100. And it's like, this is like, people get overwhelmed, I think way easier because they're just not used to like seeing this level of difficulty. And, you know, if now all of a sudden the MCAT's an 80, like you got to go from like undergrad, like 50 to 80 and then 80 to 100. And that's an easier transition. Um, and so I think that the the way the MCAT is structured, it is it is a really big jump in terms of difficulty but it also makes you better prepared for medical school. And so you will be a better medical student for having taken the MCAT. You're going to be a better student just in general. Um, I like to use the analogy all the time. It's like boot camp, and like nobody likes boot camp. Like there's nobody who's like, oh, I wish I could go back and do boot camp over again. 
um, but it makes you better prepared for what comes next. Um, but just like boot camp, it's one of those things that's hard to talk to someone about unless they've been through it. Um, and so kind of the MCAT is that that thing as well. And so I know we have this like big goal. Um, and I know as I, we've talked about this a little bit more in the past, but like I was the first person in my family to get like a bachelor's degree. Um, and so like, it was like, I didn't have anyone to talk to kind of about this process of like, you know, going to med school and the MCAT and all of that. And so like having someone like Robert, I wish I could have had someone like you to talk to, because there were times where I just felt this overwhelming, like I am lost and I am not good enough. And because of that thing we were talking about at the very beginning with like the social media stuff where you're just seeing the best pictures of everything that I kind of just felt lost and felt like I wasn't good enough kind of overall, which I realize now, like, no, like it was just like, it's just a difficult thing. And I was, it's hard and it's supposed to feel hard. Um, and that's okay. And like, there are going to be times when you struggle, but that's, that's kind of a part of it. And so realizing that like, that doesn't mean you're stupid and like, you don't know anything that just means that, Oh, this is like part of the process. And like, you just got to figure out how to approach it, um, you know, from a new angle, which can be a little bit tricky. I want to say one last thing um, before we toss it back to Robert, um, but this is primarily for the people who are listening and you're like, well, I don't think, I, I think I can still manage this on my own. I don't think I need to reach out yet. I will wait a little bit and see if I need to reach out. And I think one of the hardest lessons to learn for some folks, including myself, which is why I'm being very frank about it, is that sometimes you need to get help proactively. And that's something that I, I want you to understand also applies to medical school. You are taking the MCAT with the hope of becoming a doctor. You will have to go through medical school at some point to do that. They will try and do their best to make sure you have advisors, academic advisors, um, education advisors. Some places will also have specialty specific advisors later on in your education. And these are people who, like Robert, are there to help you understand the path that you as an individual need to take in order to reach your ultimate goal and to succeed as you go through. And so they set you up with those advisors very early on, similar to how undergrad will set you up with an advisor. The difference is theoretically, you actually meet with the one that you have in medical school, unlike, you know, in undergrad. <laughs> um, so it's not always worth waiting until things are burning and in flames before reaching out for help, because then you wouldn't have gotten burned in the first place. So if you realize, hey, you know, I could probably use some help that I could probably is your cue to let me get my phone. Let me reach out to Robert. Let me find out what, you know, is available, what I am doing well, what I can work on. Just figure out what path is right for you. That's super interesting. And I feel like there's like the moment you kind of brought that up, I'm immediately thinking about some patients that I've had in the past where they have like, oh, I have this weird growth, but like it wasn't really messing with me. So I didn't go to the doctor for like two years. And I'm like, okay, now we've got a way worse problem, right? And like things have gotten way more difficult or I had a patient with a hernia who just like, it got really bad and they just didn't deal with it for like, like three years. And I'm like, now, okay, we get like, this is way worse than it would have been if we just kind of checked on it. Or even, even better is like, when you first saw the sign, like go, go get help, but also like maybe just like go getting get checkups and just kind of doing that sort of stuff and just kind of like check in proactively and just kind of like, you know, uh, maybe have like, uh, 
blood drawn and do some some blood tests every like couple of years. Like that's something that's like like a pretty good like way to prevent things from getting bad. Um, but that's something I feel like there's this very central mindset. Um, this is something I've been guilty of as well with like struggling and like, you know, different areas, like in med school, I think everyone struggles at some point. And like, I know I can do it on my own. I don't need help. And like, it's, it's not a sin to look for advice, right? Like to like talk to somebody who's been through it and who understands like, like, do you have any advice for like how I should tackle this? Like that's, that's a sign of growth, not a sign of weakness. Um, in my mind. And so I really like that idea of like, like just kind of checking in, like, even if you don't feel like you have a problem, maybe you can talk to someone and they can like shine a light on something that you didn't even know was there. And like, oh, I should, I should focus a little bit more on this. And like, here's something that I can do to increase my score quickly um, versus before it would have taken me way longer to do that because now I understand it a little bit better. Um, And it's hard to find those people. Um, that understand kind of the process um, overall. And that's why, that's why we're so excited to have like Robert, um, yeah. something that I've been wanting to get that one-on-one like help for students um, for, for a long time. That's kind of like the perfect system is somebody who knows how this system works and can, can offer some advice. Yeah. Thank you so much again, Robert, for joining us. Any last uh, thoughts or any, the, again, the reminding students the best way to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just wanted to kind of touch on what you all were were talking about there. Like twice this month, I've had students contact me within 10 days of their exam, desperate for CARS help. Right. Mm -hmm. And both times it was, I've been doing this for three months and I haven't improved and I just, I don't know what to do. And like in the current world where there are no other exam dates for the 22-23 cycle, what are they left with? Right. Mm -hmm. Not a good situation. So if anyone's struggling, I would really encourage you to reach out sooner rather than later, because if we have, you know, the more time, the better, the easier it is for us to develop a plan to help. And, you know, again, kind of the phone number is on the website, but you can always text it. You can just text, hey, Robert, you can text MCAT, help, whatever you need, right? And we'll get back with you and schedule a time to chat. Again, it is 415-805-6292. And the one other thing I did want to touch on, right, because it is such a, an interesting time in the cycle where students have their January scores back and they're studying for April or May exams, right, last kind of effort for this admission cycle, a lot of students are turning to private tutoring to help bolster their scores. And something that's really, you know, personal to me and important to me is the quality of tutoring. So I just always, and this is what I talk to students about all the time, is like what questions to ask. Because I'm not, you know, of course, in a perfect world, like I would love each and every student to come here and work with our tutors because I know the quality. But if you are looking around the industry, something that's really important to ask whoever you're talking to is like, how long have they been teaching? Right. We, there is so much marketing in this world where it's 99th percentile this, 99th percentile that. Right. And just because someone scores a 526, does not necessarily mean they can teach. But you better believe these companies can charge three, four, or five hundred dollars an hour because of that score. Right. And as is it actually setting you up for success? We don't know. So I would just encourage you to ask those types of questions. Like how long have they been teaching? Right. Were they a natural at this? Did they just really understand how to take this exam without really receiving other help? 
right? Or is this something they worked for and they've been tutoring, you know, for five, 10, 15 years? Are they a professional educator, right? And do they lose track of time while teaching? Is it something they're so engrossed in that they just, this is what they do, right? Like I would get that detailed with it. I bet you anyone you talk to besides myself will stutter because they won't know how to answer those questions, right? Because it really is just marketing and you'll never see us doing that, right? We're here to provide the highest quality at the lowest possible price. So if you are considering tutoring, you need to work with someone. Again, anything you need to talk to me about, no strings attached. If you want to get down to the nitty gritty of what it'll take to change your life, we can talk about that as well. But the intention is always to get you every bit of the resources you need, nothing more, nothing less, right? So when you put in the work, you're empowered, you're enabled, to get the score you're looking for. So you can go to that MD school next year, right? So we really take this seriously, whatever we can do to support you, we're here and just give us, throw us a text, give us a call. I'd love to help. Yeah, I think that's a really key thing that I, I like to talk about like often, but I love physics. And I think most students like that I talk to know physics is my favorite topic to talk about. Um, and all the time I hear like, oh, I wish you taught my physics class instead. And like, I know that those people with physics PhDs, right, that like know probably way more about quantum physics and like theoretical physics than I will ever do. Those, those people know physics more than I do. But like, at least for me, I struggled a lot with, I had a lot of physics teachers who were really good at physics but maybe weren't as great at communicating. Like I didn't understand why this was important and why this was relevant and like how like, like big picture, this is, they're just like teaching me, memorize this equation. And I'm like, I don't understand like when I would ever use this or that sort of thing. Um, and so like, I, I think that's something that a lot of students can resonate with. I feel like I hear that a lot from like, oh, my, my physics professor was awful or my orgo professor was awful or something like that. And and those people really knew those topics. And so that's kind of this idea, Robert, that you're hitting at is like, there's a lot of people who know a lot about this, but if they can't share that knowledge well and like efficiently, then it's, you just don't get as much out of it. And so, you know, there are times that like, um, not that, not that our tutors know less, right? Like our tutors are like incredibly top notch, but we like try to hold them to a high standard of like how, like how good of a teacher are you? We, we do a, like a really thorough testing and training and like we record videos and we have tutors that were like, oh, this person did really well, but we don't want to use them because I don't think they can help a student as much um, as maybe another one. And so I think that that's just a really important thing to kind of think about. Um, and I like that you're encouraging students to ask those questions, because I think that is something that you should be doing kind of wherever you go. It's not just like, how smart are you, but how well can you help me? Um, which is like what it's all about. Yeah, I think high scores are important, right? They define credibility, but that's not the end all and be all, right? It's how long have you been teaching and what's your track record? So yeah, when we do you know, go after and look for more tutors, right? It's always, okay, what are the results you've produced previously, right? How long have you been doing this? You know, I know we've got at least one that's been tutoring for over 15 years, right? Seven years full-time in the MCAT, like that's a tutor, right? Mm -hmm. That's the one that I know I can learn from as a proven track record of helping students, right? But it's just so different than just hiding behind, right? Genius. Yeah. Right? Without education experience. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I want to keep like diving deeper. And like, that was just kind of like 
a weird afterthought kind of at the end of like, you just ask that question. Like there's a lot to this. And that's why it's important to talk to Robert if you get a chance, because there's a lot of information there. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that you might not know to ask. Um, and so kind of like bringing your story, like what you need. Um, I know Robert can really help with that. Um, I also know Robert, you have a meeting here with a student in like three minutes. So I'm guessing we should probably wrap up, but it's been a pleasure as always. And I, it was awesome having you as a guest. Oh yeah. Thank you for having me.